0: Hello and welcome to the Way John Taylor Patriot Report. Today is Saturday, July 3rd, 2021. And this is Season 3, Episode 10. If you are turning in for the first time and would like to know more, your reference point is always www.thepamphlet.net. That'll take you to our homepage and there you can find not only our podcast, but also links to our digital free editions of our monthly publication where we talk about liberty and freedom and try and get people to understand their rights. With us today we have a special guest and i would also going to give a little bit of a recap on how our event went today and with that let's get started. Alright so today we had our uh, Independence Day celebration. And it's also a bit of a birthday for us at the pamphlet. It's been a year since we came up with this idea. And it's metastasized into an amazing experience where we've met some incredible people um, from all walks of life. And what we've discovered is that that the human soul hungers for for liberty and freedom. It wasn't just uh, our family. And we've met so many families, uh, especially today, that are like-minded individuals and I wanted to, to say a special thank you to everyone who did show up and thank you to all of our patrons and, and supporters who, who help us. Uh, it was because of you that we had the, the funds for the paper and ink necessary to print all of the exciting things and we made quite a few announcements um, at the event of things that were, were happening and we'll get into those later. Uh, but for now I would like to welcome our, our first guest on a podcast and our first guest today is Mark Bayer he's one of our our writers with the pamphlet and I'd like to introduce you to Mark welcome Mark well oh, thank you all right well first off um, why don't you tell us about uh, how you discovered how you discovered the pamphlet and um, and we'll go from there
1: Well, my wife and I had decided to take a trip last winter, and we came up from our local area down in South South Lake up towards Republic, Washington, and stayed at a local motel up here. And staying at the motel, they had some of the pamphlets laying around in the lobby, and I was curious because they indicated that they came from the thoughts and words of our founding fathers. And if anything, I always loved a good story. So I started reading them. As I was reading them, uh, I was intrigued. And then I approached the lady at the front desk and asked her about them. And she said they were locally printed. And the more I read, the more I liked what I was reading because it's based on many of the stories and history that
0: I knew that isn't isn't taught in our local schools. And you say about history, you recognize the history. Are you you a history buff?
1: I'm a purveyor of strange and unusual stories and facts.
0: Well, that that much is sure. I've, I've known you for a bit now, and, and certainly appreciate your, your knowledge, your wealth of knowledge. Um, so when you read your episode, do you recall maybe the what which uh, edition you picked up first, or which one you, you started reading?
1: Actually, it was the introductory edition, and the next two uh, editions after that.
0: Okay, so you had uh, a pretty, pretty early knowledge of the pamphlet, and what's your first thoughts when you're running across this being being printed in some little town in the middle of nowhere with a population of maybe a 1,000 in the town.
1: Actually, I didn't know how wide the um, your participation was. I, I knew that it had a, a fairly good following to be into a commercial venture already. I knew that what I was looking at was well-researched. It's, it wasn't what you normally see in a small magazine. It was more of a in-depth analysis of a t- date and time that isn't there anymore. And that intrigued me, and the more I looked at it, the more I realized I'm looking at a a, a lens through time, and um, actually an assessment of the actual words and manners of a time long gone.
0: Are there any stories that stood out to you that that still kind of stand out to you, or at least caught your attention, that that just kind of hooked you to the point of I didn't know that. Do you, and can you recall or recite that, or let us know about it? The very specific one that got me most of
1: all was how the women themselves changed how they were doing things to help support the freedoms that their husbands were fighting for. Even at that time that they were talking about, the boycotts, the, the changes, to how homespun changed from what was a small industry for just the poor to where even it became an upstream, an upscale thing for the wealthy of the time to make a statement.
0: How much of those sort of things do you recall being taught in, in high school um, era?
1: Honestly, yeah, it was usually in the books, in the margins, or in a paragraph or two, but the teacher never had the time to talk about it. They had a curriculum they had to follow, so they glossed over it. Me, I usually started the year reading the, the history book cover to cover just for those stories.
0: That makes you a little bit unique as far as individuals who, who grasp history. Um, but what, uh, how do you think that the pamphlet fits in uh, to, to help educate people who are, are really missing out on history and really need to understand where, where, we, where we come from as a people?
1: Most people in public schools, I'll take that for an example, when they're looking at public schools and they have to read write a report or a book report even, they go for the main topics that everybody knows. It's easy to write, it's easy to cover, and there's a wealth of knowledge out there about that. It's the story behind the story, the Paul Harvey, that always made the re- that story live. And people don't want to dig that deep. This pamphlet is a digging deep into history to make it live.
0: Well, thank you for that. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit into um, when you started. How did you, uh, how did you decide that you wanted to, to become part of this?
1: i didn't actually expect to be to writing any articles in it i was actually writing poetry i'd uh, been through some health challenges recently and while i had written poetry in the back, past and some prose and and found it that it relieved stress in my life it gave me an, a creative outlet i had written as part of my recovery process several uh, poems and prose that dealt with um, recognizing the heroes in our life the, the soldiers the service and one was called Service and Sacrifice, as a matter of fact, and that was one of the very first ones I brought to your attention that I thought would be an excellent um, contribution to your cause, to your actually to your I wouldn't say cause to your writing to your efforts.
0: So it's it's safe to say that your your writing has definitely evolved because you found yourself doing something that you didn't you haven't done before, at least writing in a style that you hadn't done before. Is that correct? Exactly. So. Um, Maybe give us a little bit of insights onto uh, how you think you've personally changed as a writer. Um, what has this done for you?
1: I've always been a storyteller. I've always looked at history as, or actually writing uh, for education purposes, as a means of entertaining to draw someone into the story, then filling out the story with the facts that make that story so important to what they're doing, so applicable. I have been an instructor in the past in several venues, and that's what I've done to bring people in the classroom into that story so that they would remember it
0: for a much longer period of time. So you're saying that it's important to make history immersive so that people can understand it. Exactly. And And how, now that you're writing specifically along those lines, um, when you're researching and doing the research, what are some of the things that you're learning that you can't quite pack in and, and can't quite write and, and explain to the people?
1: I think that in this point here, it's one of my one of my articles specifically reached into your heart. It actually was it was it was gut wrenching to write one of the articles I wrote, and sometimes they're not all glossy, they're not um, they're not something that makes you smile and something that says, well I didn't know that. Every once in a while you have to reach in and actually write something that unfortunately is a little disturbing because it's glossed over in history and you don't know what the actual implications of what happened occurred. And uh, sometimes you have to write something that really is a wow I didn't know that either. So um, I think that's where I came, where I went with, with my writing is I reached into my memories of uh, a route and then followed that route to where it led.
0: That's one of the things that I really find fascinating and, and I really enjoy you, the way you're writing compliments of a lot of the subject matter because there's an instance where the, the way you write, you can, you can tell the story from a soldier's perspective or an individual's perspective that, that tells you there and you paint a visual picture with your words that gets people thinking about what it was like to live during that period of time. And I think that's important for, for people to understand history because they need to understand that these people were living human beings. Whereas if you catch the, the cliff notes in a, in a well-made movie, it has great intentions, but you walk away with the story of maybe three or four people but you never really focus about the common individual um, who gave up his farm and everything to go fight as a soldier. And all he was was a private or a corporal, never really made much, but he gave up everything. And those are the sort of stories you discover in history and that we like to paint. Um, are, and, and I like to hear the way that you do it. Um, are there things that you uh, find that you'd like to be able to explain and tell people about people uh, in history, but they you just don't have enough words or space. Hmm.
1: <clears throat> I don't think that it's not something I, I don't want to put in. It's the fact that uh, I, even with a grasp of some of the minutiae I guess is the best way of putting it, the things that I, the way people live It's trying to fit it in the story so people can can feel that same minutia. Uh, one of the stories I wrote. It was a person who made a decision to spend some money that that affected his household income. And everybody could understand that. But when I did, wrote it in there, his decision, he had to relate, he or he was relating outward in the story of how it was going to affect his wife and how he knew his wife was going to accept it. But in that date and time, with her responsibilities of the governing of the family, of the family budget, um how it was actually going to affect them. In that case they didn't have refrigeration and so his spending that money meant no fresh meat for a week. and A big thing in that time.
0: Thank you for that. Alright folks, we've come to the end of our first segment. We've been talking with Mark Baer and we will get back right after these messages. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around and listening to the Wade John Taylor Patriot Report. Again, if you like what you are hearing, you can go over to www.thepamphlet.net and there you will find our uh, previous podcasts. And if you're into reading and history and true stories about our Founding Fathers and how it relates to today, then you're going to find our digital copies of our monthly publication called the Pamphlet. They'll be available free to download in our library section. You can check them out, and that's pretty much our whole focus is to get these out to as many people as possible. We don't charge for them. We just devote it out of a, a love for our country to put it out there. But if you do want home delivery, you can do so by subscribing as a Patreon. Subscriber and you can do that at www.patreon.com forward slash the underscore pamphlet and you'll find the ability to get first exclusive access to our digital editions as well as home delivery to physical copies and for those business supporters out there who want to display the copies of their business you can get multiple copies delivered and just head on over to patreon.com forward slash the underscore pamphlet and see us there. Either way, thanks for your support, whether you read it, share it, like it, love it. Um, We really appreciate everything you do for us and thanks again for all those who showed up today for our first annual uh, barbecue. We certainly hope to make it a future thing. We'll judge things uh, in the next couple months and take a look and see if it's something we can save for for next year to do it again but we were pretty happy and thank yous for, for so many of you showing up especially over the long distances. So let's get started. All right we are back with Mark Baer and Mark is one of our columnists at the pamphlet. He started out doing poetry and he's moved on to doing, in addition to poetry, also writing some some good stories that are very compelling and, and draw the, the reader in. So thank you Mark for joining us again. And uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. <clears throat> we talked about some of your writing, your writing style, some of the things that you've learned. Um, and we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, the founding fathers and your perspective on, on what are some of the things they, they, they got right. What was what made them tick? What made them successful at, at being able to to obtain liberty and freedom?
1: Well, I, I think that what they got more than anybody else, and so many people today really don't understand, is it's not about an immediate solution. Uh, while they did spend all the time to figure out the Bill of Rights, to, to put together those first 10 and attempted 12 amendments, what it really comes down to is they foresaw that it was impossible to make all the changes they wanted to make now. They had to set the stage, the foundation for incremental change over time to
0: achieve what their ultimate goal is. And with those changes, um, do you find that, that looking at the Constitution over a period of time, do you find that, that some of those changes didn't turn out and didn't affect things the way people thought, or or do you, do you think that all the amendments are okay?
1: I think that the amendments, the first ten, will be immutable. I mean. Uh, Chief Justice Johnson, uh, way back when, I mean, I'd have to go back and actually look at the exact dates involved in this. But when he was presiding over the Supreme Court, they actually came in and said those those 10 amendments are immutable. They cannot be changed without fundamentally changing everything about the Constitution. So their ruling as a Supreme Court ruling was that you cannot change them, even by a constitutional Congress. Everything else can be, they would be amendments to that Bill of Rights. Really what it comes down to when I look at it is, is looking at <clears throat> that incremental change we talk about now. The people who look back now and trying to look at history and rewrite the history to say they should have done this cannot place in perspective what they were realizing at that time of all the, that society of that time allowed them to change. Otherwise it would have been a continuous state of evolution as everybody fought against the change or for that change through the time we had a new government we had a new country we had a new philosophy and inside that philosophy the, the foundation was made to allow a step here as we saw that we could put it into play and our society demanded it of it so we had that movement eventually to, to to end slavery they attempted it before wasn't ready they then ended slavery later it came along we need to give rights to more than just uh, you know landholders And so we gave it to women. We then gave it to slaves. We moved along. We then created a means for them to go into public office. We created equality. We created laws to reinforce that. Each one became a small step that moved forward in this grand scheme that they originally had right from the start. But they had to go and give the chance for our country to grow enough to allow that to be incorporated.
0: Now, you mentioned that the the first ten amendments are immutable, or essentially they're, they're absolute. Do you think that that Supreme Court opinion is really saying that they're immutable or absolute, or really they're reaffirming that natural law that they're meant to enshrine is immutable and absolute?
1: Well, that's unusual that you bring that up, because Chief Justice Johnson it actually did call them the natural rights, the natural laws. And as long as our founding fathers, they use those exact words.
0: That's important to understand where our rights come from. We have a, a system today that teaches that rights are given by government. But our founding fathers had an understanding that as a human being born in a bubble, you have certain rights that you're just born unto. Freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of movement freedom to feed yourself or choose not to for that matter and really what our founding fathers were trying to do essentially is to to make it so that the human being can exist in its most natural form and in looking at that and how people are trying to paint the history of yesterday what do what do most people get wrong and i know it's a pretty broad brush and you could pick just about anything but where where are they really missing the boat on history
1: I think when you look at rights right now, I'm going, to, I'm going to digress a little bit and talk about that one because you covered such a wide area in your last statement. When you look at those those rights that people look at as being given by the government, just like legislation, just like a tax, just like any law that they've created, regulation, et cetera, et cetera, that it can be given, it can be taken away. But when it's immutable a natural right, it cannot be taken away. It comes from something other, greater than you, greater than the government.
0: So when we see people that can't express their rights because their, um, their government doesn't allow them to, their rights still exist, they're just being oppressed from that right?
1: I would have to say that a, a, a one of these natural rights can be suppressed, but it will always exist. So the even in slavery, I'll, I'll use the example of Rome, even the slaves posted graffiti to get their free speech out. Even though they were denied free speech, they were denied the ability to talk in the Senate, the ability to talk on the street corner, uh, to proselytize, to talk about what their, their complaints were. But they put out the graffiti to be able to get it out there. So even when you suppress it, you just change the nature of how it will be gotten out.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned slavery, because that seems to be such a hot topic today among political circles and what our founding fathers actually thought. And you've probably had a bit of a, an opportunity to, to do some research into yourself and read some of their own writings over the course of, of your writing for the pamphlet. What would you say their attitudes towards slavery actually were? Uh,
1: unfortunately, they were caught in an economic system that would have collapsed the entire country if they tried to get rid of slavery immediately. And they did try. It was one of the two amendments that did not pass. It took another almost 100 years before they did get it to pass. I would have to say that they were trying to cut us loose uh, from that economic system we had at the time, but they could not. And the re- it would have devolved the country into economic chaos, would have collapsed the entire economy, just when we were trying to build a new nation. Most people today would consider that be self-serving. We're talking about a foundational moment here, where they had to create the a, a progression of events that was going to occur. To allow this to happen when the country, when the situation has, has proceeded long enough to come into play, uh, it, was it the best option? At that time, it really was. Was it the only option? No, but the other one was too risky.
0: I think that's a good point because one of the things at the time that people don't understand is that slavery was was instituted by the British and it was part of their economy at the time. And one of the things that the colonists, a lot of the colonists, really pushed back on was the British kept sending the slaves, and they really wanted it to not be part of the American experience. But, you know, it, it was part of the economy, just like trading leather or anything else. That's just how the British looked at it. And American, the Founding Fathers, get a, a bad rap because they inherited this system. And most of them actually didn't particularly care for slavery and wanted it abolished. But they did set up a system in the Declaration of Independence that they knew would eventually... Make that happen. You know, when you start a document that all men are created equal, did did they preamble that with anything else? Did they separate it? No, they didn't. And that's one of the wonderful things about it is they created a document based on independence of all people. And they let that percolate over a period of time. Was it longer than they thought? Absolutely it was a lot longer than they thought because the, the institution of slavery, right, wrong, or indifferent, took hold. And more, more places recognized that, that they could thrive on the, the free labor of individuals. And, and that had to, we had to go through a process in this country to get out of it. But people don't understand that our founding fathers had a, a different view of it. And I really appreciate your, your thoughts on that. We're coming up on our, our last uh, break here. And we're going to go ahead and, and take it real quick. And when we come back, we'll be back with our concluding thoughts. Welcome back to the final segment here, and you've been listening to Mark Bayer, and he's one of our writers at the pamphlet, and we have him returning. Once again, if you do want to find out what we do, go ahead and head over to thepamphlet.net, and there you'll find everything about us and everything you read will be free, well-researched, and hopefully entertaining enough to keep you coming back. So thanks again, and welcome back to our final segment, Mark. Thank you. Okay, so we want to talk completely a little bit about where maybe we see the country going, and and I'm going to ask you... Maybe looking at the history in a different lens now, and looking at our own similarities in the path. Where do you see the trajectory of this this nation, if everything stays the same?
1: If everything stays the same, or the different forces that are pushing in different directions right now keep going, that's the difference we have to look at.
0: Well, okay, let's let's start there. Who do you um, who do, do you see a dominant force actually prevailing right now in any way?
1: Actually, I'd rather talk, if you don't mind, about what if we, if we continued along the path we normally would have followed.
0: Okay, let's go for that. Where, where do you think we would have ended up being?
1: I think that what we look at instead was we were projecting off of a Martin Luther King uh, leadership role where everybody worked together. They were, there was a building of a commonality that Martin Luther King really looked at. He, he looked at his grandchildren playing with other people's grandchildren and actually working alongside them, marrying into them, and becoming a a greater uh, all-encompassing role that would be a beacon to everybody in the world. And it didn't didn't end up that way. We're now seeing with these outside influences literally separating us up and um, causing us to see conflict. How do you tell a child that has a parent's that they should pick which parent that they love because of something that somebody's trying to divide you by, and name it. It doesn't have to be skin tone; it can be anything.
0: So, going going back to the Martin Luther Martin Luther King era, what it's safe to say that he organized people to stand up for their rights.
1: He organized people to become both compassionate and informed. And there's a difference between compassionate and uninformed and informed and not compassionate. He wanted people to actually step forward with their heart to meet people with their heart. But he also wanted them to do it informed so that they could step forward and talk rationally to each other in a common language and common experience.
0: So it's, it's vastly different from being passionate and, and ignorant and, and compassionate and well-informed. Yes. You know, both of them from the surface might look like okay, you got a whole bunch of emotion wrapped up here for whatever it is you're trying to say, but if you look at the two, they're really not similar in the in, in any way. Exactly. So what so we've lost that bit. What what can a common average everyday person who like yourself was just living your life for a while and then all of a sudden now there's this cool thing that you're part of that started out of almost spontaneous combustion out of nothing, and you're seeing the result that it's having on people. What, what do you think that other people could do similar?
1: Well, um, I'm going to look at my, my role here as a writer. I know cool and unusual information. I know facts. I know things that are stories that have always enthralled me from when I was a child. And everybody has these type of stories inside of them. You might not want to write it. You might. Some people paint a picture about it. Some people create uh, art. Some people use these, uh, these emotions to go on and make themselves better in life. We all have that inside us. We've all got these inspiring tales, these inspiring instances, these inspiring vistas that we stand on top of, 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 of a pinnacle and look around. And what we have to do is work within that to appreciate what other people are doing.
0: Now, one of the things that, that you had mentioned to me was the experience of being published for the first time and actually to, to meeting that, that goal and how it happened probably at a point in time in your life where you hadn't even thought that it was possible anymore. And, and now that that thing on the bucket list is now checked off, what does that do for you as an individual? Do, do you want to give up on it or do you want to move on and, and, and really explore it and see what you can do with it? I believe
1: it inspires me. Uh, it's one thing to to look inside yourself and see something that really makes you uh, um, happy. It, it fulfills you in a way, but have no one appreciate it. But when somebody actually appreciates it, it, it amplifies it. It gives you an outlet. It gives you something that you can can uh, some self worth. Yes, in a sense, an ego. But it's also an ego. If you're correct about it, that doesn't inflame you. That doesn't take over your life. It's an ego of, of, of I guess you might say, almost a, a, need to create more, to to be, in, to hope you inspire someone else.
0: How does that differ from an ego that wants to get all the po- talking points right so you can be accepted with a, a different group? That's that's a bit of an ego.
1: Well, I, 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 I could can see that. Um, I'm not quite sure where you're going with this so uh, I'll tell you that I want to be like any other person I want to be accepted within a group I want to be part of the um, part of a team I want to be part of a individual who can work with the team I want to be part of a customer that wants to walk into to work with an individual who works with the team it's uh I guess you might say I just want to be appreciated and sometimes just greeted.
0: Okay, I see what you mean there, but everybody wants to belong to something. And that sense of belonging I think is a fundamental human human I guess need. And in order for us to get to belong to something, people compromise themselves. So what do we what do we need to do or what do people need to do to get away from that?
1: Today I sat in a group of people. I looked around and realized everybody in this group were either looking for inspiration to to um, apply themselves towards those first ten amendments, to to appreciate them more, to to find value in them, or they're through their creativity uh, providing a sense of um, value in those first ten amendments. And those were the people I met today. Those are the people that that. I sat there and listened to people sing, play music. I sat there and watched people get together and and they're talking about their writing and how it impacts them emotionally. I listened to hearing people talk about how those writings, those things, the reaching back into history to our founding fathers, gained value in their life actually gave um, some soul, some heart to what they had lived in their life. Some people... Talked about the losses that they'd had in their life um, in defending those same rights. It's it was very profound sitting amongst these people and very heartening to keep going on because it is it is an unappreciated thing when people don't read their history and they don't look back.
0: I I think I'm glad that you mentioned that because one of the things I noticed today and I and I my my wife and I talked about this briefly afterwards like. What did you notice? What did you take away? And one of the things that we noticed, there was people from all walks of life. I think that there was a representation from just about every class or every group or every type of characterization you would have. You had a melting pot of individuals there. And none of them had any clue of of anything about the pamphlet or writings or any of that prior to that. And this all came about because of an idea that was hatched because of a challenge we had, i.e. not having a, a, a place to, or, or local group to, to make changes with, or I, I don't know. So we, we were just frustrated. And now, just because we had an idea, right, wrong, or indifferent, whatever that idea is, we produce pamphlets. You know, well, what's a pamphlet? You know, we had a conversation about that. Um But we produce something that's different. It doesn't fit into any business model. We hand out things for free. We ask for donations to cover it. You know, I'm a business major and, you know, five years of business project management specialization. And and my professors are probably, you know, don't want to admit that they taught me anything because this isn't in the, the books. So with that, that's kind of a long rant that I went on. But what do you see that people need to do or can do to, to make the same thing happen in their lives
1: you gave an excellent speech at that meeting today and in that meeting you talked about getting involved locally but our founding fathers got involved at all levels they sat around in their taverns they talked they talked at the end of church they talked from the pulpit about being of equal nature of being able to speak about being able to reach out to a divine intervention to you talked about today we have school boards that nobody goes to. Surprisingly, we're seeing a sudden resurgence in that, where people are going to it. We have uh, town council meetings where nobody goes to And I'm just as guilty as as you said, as many people have been, including yourself. We need to get involved in, we need to sit down and talk heart to heart with people so that they get feedback, because otherwise they make decisions without that feedback. Our founding fathers didn't do that. Everybody looks at them as being pure geniuses. They were so smart, yes. But they actually had continuous feedback from everybody around them because that was what people did. We had an open door policy in our presidency until after Lincoln was shot.
0: I love how you you bring that up. That a lot of things you covered the ground that, that the event today was spontaneous and it was organic. I mean, it was nice. We had a you know nice little piano sitting there on the side in the lodge. I never would have in a million years figured that a group of, of individuals from all walks of life would all of a sudden come up there and start playing the piano, singing, playing a drum, a tambourine, and, and making music, and these people had never met each other before.
1: It wasn't even just the the different people. It was different age groups. We had everything from from young adults clear up to people who are very elderly. We had people of many different ethnic groups all came together just to talk about and share a a dream, a remembering, a history. I mean, you're looking at the 4th of July weekend. What better time for people of all walks of life to get together and actually realize what our founding fathers actually gave up for them and what people have stood up for to give them what they got.
0: Did you feel alone in your views anymore today? Oh, no, I didn't. And that's one of the things that I'd like to take away with that, and I'd, I'd like to encourage each one of you, you know what? No matter what it is, make a decision to do something. And no matter how corny, how weird, how strange, follow follow up with that. Get together with a couple of friends and say, all right, I, I got a stupid idea I want to talk to you about, and what do you think about it? And your true friends will stand up and say, yeah, let's do it.
1: It might be just getting together and going down to your to your mayor in your town or sitting down with a council person from over at the, the school or over in your thing, but sit down and actually just open door. A couple of people sit down over a cup of coffee and talk. They need that.
0: They absolutely do. And, and from my experience, what I found is they are actually crying out for that. I, I was in one of my school board meetings uh, this past week. One of the former board members told a story about for a solid year, they called everybody. They had a phone number for before the meeting trying to get them to show up. And it took hours and hours and hours to do every month. And the first month, 20 more people showed up to a meeting. By the time the end of the year was done, they quit doing it because they had no no attendance and it was just a monumental waste of time and those are the sort of things that we need to fix in this country because I believe that that you know in a, in a, in a skill set that improves over time while being, being used and I use as an example of this as a driver's license. You first start driving you don't exactly know what you're doing. You may think you do but you, you don't and it takes years and years of experience to get better at it. Politics is the same way. And for those who say, look, uh, politics isn't my game, I hate politics, what you're trying to say, or what you're actually saying, uh, is that you don't want to be responsible for, for everything.
1: I think the politics is the ultimate feedback loop. If you don't put in some input, the feedback you get might not be what you want. You better put some feedback into it.
0: I absolutely agree with that. And So I'm going to encourage each and every one of you, to, to decide to do something, whether it is going to your local meeting, which I think is incredibly important and is my number one suggestion, or it is starting a group of like-minded individuals, a couple friends to say, we're gonna make a difference somehow. And then you all brainstorm and come up with an idea on what you're gonna do. Whatever that is that, that you decide to do, decide to do something. You can even volunteer for any organization handing out flyers, whatever it is, just do something. And, and I can promise you that as you start, to do something whatever is supposed to happen will happen in your life that the whole key is just doing something and with that i would like to thank mark for uh... standing in and doing our, our first face-to-face interview and um, give you a few minutes to to, to close us out uh, before I, I finalize so we've got any last parting words
1: i don't really think so i think that um, everybody
0: has a calling
1: in life everybody has a, a has a um, a wiring for greatness in themselves and I think that if you reach out into your community to
0: do something that's beneficial to it, when you reach out you'll get it back well thank you for that and thank you for your kind words in your writing, we certainly enjoy that and your participation, everything you do for the pamphlet and I know that the fans certainly appreciate your writing as well so thank you for, for joining us on the podcast, thank you and with that We'll have a fantastic evening, and I know that you will too. God bless you, and God bless those who fight for liberty and freedom. Good night.